It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Packers tight end, presumed tight end one, Jay Sternberger is on the show today. And I'm glad I found out how to say his name uh, in time. <laughs> For those of you who were listeners of the show last offseason, um, I, I said Jace's last name wrong. For like the whole pre-draft process. And luckily by the time the Packers picked him, someone had corrected me and I was able to get it right moving forward and hopefully have said it correctly for the last year. I should have asked him. I should have told him, frankly. Uh, We're going to get to Jace in just a little bit. Before we do, a little bit of news from yesterday Reports out of Southern California suggest the Chargers are potentially interested in moving slot corner Desmond King. And the reason this has implications for Green Bay is they don't have a slot corner. Now, the reason the Chargers would move on from a good player, and Desmond King is a very good slot corner, even though he is undersized as a player and is a dynamic returner, the Chargers clearly decided Chris Harris, who is a former all-pro corner, is a better fit for them in their timeline. Maybe they want to compete right now. They don't want to give Desmond King a long-term deal. He is, after all, a slot corner, and so they could move on from him now. He's not going to play. In fact, when the Chargers put out a tweet a couple weeks ago after they signed Chris Harris, they did it with the Twitter handles of the starting defensive backs for the Chargers, including Chris Harris, and did not include... Desmond King, and he quote tweeted it and, you know, used some emojis to make light of it, but made it clear that he had noticed this was going on. Friend of the show, Jason Hershorn, who does cover the Packers, but also covers the Chargers. He is based in Southern California and covers the Chargers for Sports Illustrated, had been telling me for, if not weeks, days, that this was potentially in the offing. 
I couldn't report it to you because he hasn't reported it. And now I feel like I'm not betraying his confidence because this has been reported. This is unfortunately something that happens in sports media a lot. Uh, You'll hear, oh, uh, I knew that. And, And frankly, I'm the kind of person that hates that too. When, when a reporter comes out and says, oh, yeah, I knew that six weeks ago. And it's like, well, why didn't you say anything? Well, it, first of all, not my news to break. Second of all, he hadn't reported it yet. So once he reports it, then I can report it. I can relay it to you. So here we are. Now, what is the cost? And I think that is a crucial part of this. If, as Jason has suggested, it would be possible for the Packers or any team to acquire King for let's say, a day three pick. You know, he's got one year left on his deal. And again, slot corner, not a boundary corner. Teams tend not to value those guys the same way. If you can get them for a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, then you don't have to bring back Tremont Williams, who is going to cost more, by the way, than Desmond King would. Desmond King, in the last year of his rookie deal, about $2 million this season, Tremont Williams almost certainly going to cost more than that. So if you're the Packers, you're getting a cheaper option and a potentially better player. Now, of course, Tremont Williams brings all sorts of other things to the table. A leader, knows the system, knows his teammates, understands the guys in the division already. You know, you have that shorthand with the scouting and the and the shorthand with the coaches, and you already know what Kenny Galladay looks like and Marvin Jones looks like and Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller and Adam Thielen and whoever else the Vikings are going to put out there. Maybe he doesn't know those guys because, frankly, no one knows those guys right now. And that all has value, too. But the Packers could do what the Patriots often do, and that is trade for a player who's fallen out of favor with his team someone with pedigree normally, and someone who has potentially been a good player in the past, and they let that guy play out their contract, let them walk, and then the Patriots take their comp pick. And they turn that player into multiple picks later in the draft. They trade down, they create more value for themselves, and this is how the Patriots are able to restock their lineup all the time. And they always have these players, and they're not paying them top of dollar, and they're not paying them top of market money. The Packers could even... Trade for Desmond King on a, on a low round pick, fourth, fifth round, whatever it is, and then pay him. He's really good. He's young. You could give him money. Now, you of course, you'd have to there have to be salary cap machinations and all of those kinds of things. Maybe you have to release Lane Taylor to make the money work. Maybe you have to rework a deal with Corey Lindsley, or you have to you know give David Bakhtiari an extension that lowers his cap number for 2020. There's always ways to work it. There's always money in the banana stand. The Packers could make this work, and this is the second trade that's come up around the Packers this week that would make them significantly better and would only cost them a day three pick, likely. Brandon Cooks and Desmond King. These are moves a team like the Packers, whose Super Bowl window is now, could be making and still could make with the draft still a couple weeks away. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich. Thanks to Dave's killer 
bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store all right i want to get to our conversation with jace sternberger he is in his second year out of texas a&m and you can follow him on Twitter at underscore Jay Stern coming to us from his hometown in Oklahoma. So, you know, we're going to have to talk about that. Jay's thanks for coming on Locked on Packers. No problem. Uh, thanks for having me. So the, the question that everyone wants to know is, have you seen Tiger King and have you heard of that zoo before? Because I know you're from Oklahoma. Uh, I've actually never heard of the zoo before. But I, I have watched Tiger King, and I don't know if I'm more proud to be from Oklahoma <laughs> or more embarrassed, but I'm thinking on the more proud side because that's just – there's there's a lot of Joe Exotics out there just not dealing with animals, but there's a lot of characters in Oklahoma. I was just going to ask you, did you watch that going, yeah, I've met that person before, like, you know, that that version of that person – yeah, no, um, that's what's funny. I'm pretty sure everybody, you know, everybody from Oklahoma watching that, they know somebody. So it's, yeah, it, it was, I enjoyed it. It was funny to me. Well, I think you are not the only one who, who felt that way for sure. So, I mean, what is, this is a weird time of year in any normal circumstance, but th- these are not normal circumstances. So, you know, what are you, what are you able to do? What are you doing to pass the time? Uh, you know, joking with my dad, you know, literally the only thing you can do is work out besides just staying off your feet. Uh, so <laughs> we got a little in-home gym put set up in our garage. Uh, we do our running. We do all that. My, my whole family's pretty fit, but that helps us keep everybody motivated. But other than that, just watching a lot of shows, a lot of movies, a lot of video games. What is it? What has been the one thing you've watched lately where you're like, man, I, I, I can't believe I've never watched this. Have you gone back to something where you're like, wow, this is really good. How come no one told me to watch this? No, not yet. But like, I, I've loved the Ozarks since day one, but hmm. I finished it and then I've rewatched it. Or I'm already almost done rewatching it for a second time and I've, I appreciate it way more. So I'm, I got to do it three times the charm. Now, how different is like the Ozark uh aesthetic that that sort of culture from from what you're used to in oklahoma because not you know not that far that's what i'm saying that's why i like it so much because uh, i'm not saying like there's not a lot of well, not a lot of heroin dealers in oklahoma like in kingfisher but for the most part the show's pretty you know what i'm saying yeah. people wise like, sure. there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities you know we don't got the i don't think we have cartel in kingfisher either but you know <laughs> it's uh it's all pretty relatable and just, you know, small town, the pride, people taking their stuff and all the little things like the, the boat docks and the little parties like that. That's Oklahoma to a T. For sure. 
Are you, when you come home, I mean, are you, I know that, you know, this is my wife, for example, her family, my family, they've got these thick Wisconsin accents. And whenever she comes back from being home for a couple of days, I hear it a little bit more. Are you, are you falling back into it? Do you have the drawback than more than, than what you did during the season? Uh, I wouldn't say so. Cause like <laughs> most people down here, like when they hear me talk, like it's, I don't even think anything of it. Uh, but when I'm in Wisconsin, everybody says I have a uh, southern accent, which is crazy because <laughs> I really don't. I'm like, you should hear some of the people talk back where I'm from. Yeah, I do. So I wouldn't say it's not too bad. Do you get protective when you watch a show if someone's messing up a southern accent? You're like, man, people do not sound like that. <laughs> no, I, I like. So I have fun with it all. So I, I was, you know, when I was when I was evaluating you when you were coming out, uh, you know, at, at, at Texas A&M and, and you were uh, going to be an NFL prospect before you got picked by the Packers. I was watching you going, how did this guy not get more of a run at Kansas and, and you know, have to transfer and do that whole thing? Because, you know, no one in the SEC could cover you. So. I mean, can can you just walk us through what you know what the what the circumstances were that that led you to to make the transfer and then ultimately end up you know with Jimbo Fisher at at Texas A and M? Uh, I just don't think um, I was definitely a match for Kansas. Our coaches he liked to use more smaller bodies, slot receivers, and he didn't. He tried to incorporate the tight end, but he could just never pull the trigger on it and like actually like you know make a game plan around a tight end or incorporate him. It was more like if they can do what a slot receiver can do, then. But not that I couldn't. I just didn't get as many opportunities. And then one thing led to another. You bring in more prospects. And, yeah, it just wasn't a good fit anymore. And I went through, like, three OCs when I was there. wasn't even some of the same coaches who recruited me. It was just a – I just needed to get out of there because I still wanted to be a football player. So I love the university, though. But that's why I just – I was like, yeah. Because I, I originally was going to go JUCO out of high school and then – this was just kind of the, you know, I guess got to go Juco so I can cancel out all the what ifs. Yeah. How did you ultimately end up at, at, uh, in college station? Uh, so I was originally probably going to commit to Boise state. And then for some reason, my head coach at uh, Juco was just like, Hey, don't, don't do anything crazy. Like commit. He's like, give it some time. Like you're starting to heat up a little bit. And I was like, okay, literally like I'm on Thanksgiving break. I get a call from, uh, coach craig the receivers coach now and he was just like hey uh there's rumors that we could be going to a&m and but we're also at florida state right now regardless jimbo wants you so and I, once i heard that like i know jimbo's history with tight ends i was like that's all i needed to hear i was like so they technically like i never like literally posted less to receive an offer from a&m like i never did any of that like it was so low-key because i was like basically i was gonna be jimbo's guy so i was like that was late November, so I kept literally. I, I knew I knew he was going to A and M two weeks before it happened. I just had to keep quiet, and <laughs> it was it was fun because you know I'm a, I'm a sports nerd, so I was like, I, man, I know news before ESPN and stuff. And <laughs> you got it, you got it so, before Pete Thamel and all those guys. Uh, exactly. I mean, you said you know the, the history with Jimbo. It's not just the, the with the tight ends. I mean, you're talking about a national championship winning coach. You're talking about you know Florida right. State pedigree. And he says, "You're my guy." You get there, and all of a sudden, like the the offense is for you. Yeah, like there literally is no tight end. Like I was day one started, and it was like, oh my. Now, granted, like it, it was some, it was hell when I first got there. Like cause I was the only tight end, so that means I had to do everything: first team, second string, uh, third team, all special teams. Like I was dying. Like <laughs> it was, I mean, it was 
it was hell like the practices but like I, I i just got in super scary condition uh like good wise like you know what i'm saying like i was yeah. really really in shape and it kind of made me a monster in a, in a good way you know it kind of changed my demeanor like okay i'm built different than everybody and you know so the, the spring was crazy and then you know the fall was it was it was awesome yeah, I mean, what what was it? That's a that's a pretty big jump from JUCO to you know being you know basically you were you were de facto the number one receiver in that offense. Really, I mean, that's that's a jump. Did you ever or when you look back on it now? I mean, do you do you get a chance to just be like, hey, that was really cool? Yeah, no, I I I, I definitely more have in this, these past couple of months. Like even after my first, I, I think it was right after the season was over. I like my rookie season. I'm just like, dang, like I really. Cause you know that's the first time I can finally take a break, and like since I declared for college, like I haven't been busy nonstop. So it was like I really reflected on. It. I was like, man, I, was, I just think it's funny. I was like, you really came in in there, and then you know practices, no one's guarding you, this and that, and you used to worship those dudes who played in the SEC like growing up. Yeah. So then you know you talk about a two year difference. I mean, from going from from, from junior college to the NFL. When you when you first get out there with those guys, that's got to ever. I mean, you hear this all the time from players. The speed is different. Um, you you got to think differently. The, the assignments are different. And tight end is a notoriously difficult position for first year players to learn. What was the biggest thing that you had to to sort of get on the same page with? Whether it was schematics, whether it was the size, the speed. I mean, what was it? The details. It was no longer you can just um, you know think you're going to be successful because you're athletic and like you're, you got a little you know you're tough you got a little toughness in you like you know you got to know your details and really put the information with it and and so did I mean you you were in a position where you had you know you had, you had uh, Rob Tanyan and then two veterans I mean I assume that it was it was helpful for you to be able to watch Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis go about what they're doing and say okay this is this is how this this works most definitely. So, I mean, can you can you pinpoint anything in particular early on where something stood out? Jimmy, I mean, there was uh, so much from from camp that oh, you know, Jimmy Graham looks awesome in practice or whatever it is, and you're just like, one of them did something, and you're like, whoa, like this these guys are serious next level stuff. Uh, I think it was, I think Mercedes was doing like a pass pro, something. It was just like the way he grabs the Darius, and it was just like so controlling i was just like oh my gosh like he could crush me <laughs> and it was just like this dude is like yeah it was just different watching him every day really so i, I wanted to i'm glad you brought up zadarius because he has been one of the guys that's been credited with this change in the culture and the vibe around the team now you weren't with the team before last year so you know i, I know that you you can't do any comparing and contrasting but when you guys get together and it starts to coalesce a little bit, are you are you aware of it? I mean, does it feel? Can you feel it when when the guys are sort of vibing and there's this there's this energy around the team? Oh, 100 percent. That, that that was the biggest plus that came from this year was you hear all the time in college is like, oh, the NFL is a business. The coaches don't care about you. It's all about the playbooks and winning this and that, and like. I had so much fun this year because, like, I've always been a big believer. Like, I've won state championships. I've, you know, been successful in college with wins. Like, I'm on all those teams always had great chemistry. And so, like, being at Green Bay this first year, and it was like, like, nothing changed for me. And I was like, 
dang, like, and but every you you constantly heard stuff in the locker room. It's not like this everywhere else. Like, just know that. <laughs> and so it was like, and I was just like, well, man, that's how it is. Like right now, so like I'm I'm enjoying it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it is. Like this is like it was the fun. And Zadarius was 100. percent Like he always brought energy. Of, you know, made I think it made some of the older guys kind of more relaxed. And, you know, like, hey, it's okay to have fun. We can still get shit done. You know. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You heard multiple guys, longtime veterans. I mean, Aaron Rodgers said it's the most fun he's had playing football in a long time. Brian Balaga said it's it's maybe the most fun he's ever had playing football. So, I mean, it, it seems like there was a clear difference here. How do you how do you maintain that? How do you how do you keep that going when you have you know the roster is going to be a little different this year? You're going to bring in a new group of guys. You've got a couple free agents. You know, Christian Kirksey, Rick Wagner. How do you keep that going? Uh, simple, you know, we have a foundation that, uh, the veterans, you know, they set last year and it's, it's just that, um, the culture, how we are, you know, take it one day at a time. We control, we control and like really just do the best you can each day to invest in yourself. And then, you know, the other stuff comes with it. You know, when guys are constantly working on good character, working on good manners and just little things like pushing their chair in after, di- uh, after you eat, you know, little stuff like that, you know, just, we take pride in that. And so I think that, it's it, it's uh it's just a standard you just have to maintain. Yeah, I, there it, there is a lot of questions about this off season, and it's a it's a big one for you going into year two. You were asked, you know, you 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 got injured in in um the, the preseason, and that obviously sets you back, not able to get on the field until the middle of the year. And then when you do get on the field, you have to play a little bit out of position. Do you? I mean, at what point does does whether it's Coach Lafleur or Coach Hackett come to you and say, "Hey, we need you to do this thing for us now"? Uh, you said when did that happen? Yeah, like, and what is that conversation like when they? Because they basically said, you know, or I don't know what they said. That's why I'm asking. But because you you basically had to play fullback for a lot of snaps when you when you got on the field finally. Yeah, I mean, the day I got placed on our, uh, um, you know, Goody, he told me that. We're gonna need you to come play off, so you better do whatever you do. You got to do to get ready during this, these times that you have to heal up and stuff. And so I was just like, I mean, that was the game plan the whole time for me anyway that I was gonna make an impact this year. So I was like, you know, we got to do it. Right. And so uh, I start the rehab process. You know, everything. Get, I hire my own body coach. You know, I'm taking it really serious. Losing weight. Everything's going good. And then like, you know, I'm starting. Then I start to get a practice and you know, start doing some things here and there. And then. uh J.O., just my position coach, just texted me one Sunday, or one, I say Sunday, because I'm thinking weekends, on a Monday, like on our day off, or Tuesday on our day off, he's like, you ready for fullback? And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, he was like, we, we we have to know that position anyway, so it's just being, it's a mentality, you know, being physical, which you are, we wouldn't have even thought of putting you there, so that's, the rest was history. Like, we didn't make a big deal, we just called it, he was like, you're, you're just H, that's all it is now, don't even think of it as fullback. So they were gonna. Let, Cause I knew because he was like, you know, he's. Gonna, he said, you know, Matt's gonna put routes in for you. He's like, and I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, and there were. I mean, even even before you were you were really fully, you know, in that role, that there were some there were some cut ups and some clips around I me. Mean, and I remember watching it when I would when I would go back and watch the tape after the game. Like, oh, they got Jace on the wheel route. He's wide open down the field. Yeah. Uh, when when you're you know you're watching that back, are you are you trying to catch Aaron's eye in the meeting room? Like, hey man, hey twelve, can I get the ball next time? Nah, see, uh, that's the thing that like I don't ever like. I was just taught at a very young age like never to show up your quarterback or like, and I've never wanted to be the guy who's like 
because I hear receivers all the time, oh, I'm open, throw me the ball. And I'm like, okay, no, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm, if I'm open, I'm open. Like, he's playing quarterback. He knows what he's doing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he yeah. has enough going on through his head. Like, he doesn't need me telling him me he's open. And then I just believe through that, you know, that's why I've been so successful because for some my quarterback, that's how I build relationships with someone. We got good trust. But, like, even, like, the both wheel routes that I was open on, literally after that, like, when they're watching film, Aaron comes up, like, he gives me that look, you know, like, eyes get big. He's like, be ready, big boy, or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, he, he sees it. Like, he, obviously, he knows what he's doing. So, it's like, I don't ever have to say that stuff. And, uh, yeah, so that, that's how I've always just handled situations with quarterbacks. How can you get a nickname? Because, you know, Mercedes has big dog. Like, you know, we Aaron loves to give out nicknames. We got to get you one. Yeah, no, I actually have quite a bit. I'm just not going to tell you any of them because <laughs> – <laughs> I just gotta, I, I gotta give some more uh, appropriate ones. All right, we'll we'll uh, we'll protect the innocent on that one. I, that's fine. I get it. So one, <laughs> one play that I think a lot of, of fans have have really latched onto, and it's something that frankly stood out to me when I went back and, and rewatched it was there was that that touchdown in the NFC Championship game, and it was a second reaction play, which is you know some some classic Aaron Rodgers stuff. So you know, was that something that was just instincts like can you can you walk us through that play and and sort of tell us what you saw yeah like there's really a lot more that goes into that play for me that like is even way more important than even the whole touchdown just through like you know making mistakes once and not letting them happen again you know Aaron earlier in the year he he made me a signal and I read the signal wrong and like you know that's the thing with Aaron he's so secret with his signals and it's like it's, it's, it's intense as a receiver and as a young guy, you know, to make sure he changes, like, to see the sign and see that he changes it and stuff. He does it so casual. And he actually changed my route. You'll see him, he like points up to his lip, and I knew I had to change my route. And so, like, the fact that, like, I changed, you know, I learned from my mistake, then did it, and then it led to the touchdown. It was just like, you know, it was how it was supposed to go down. But, just finishing up here, uh, as you as you go into the off season, I mean, no one knows in late January that that we're going to be in the position we are now. But you know, did you have you know an exit interview with the coach and say you know this is this is what we want you to work on, this is what we're looking for you, from you, you know, going into the off season and going into next year? Uh, yeah, you know, I had exit meetings. Like I had really positive exit meetings. You know about what was about to take place. You know. And what could happen free agency, what couldn't happen, and what they had their visions of me. And, uh, you know, we don't have to get into all of those details. But Coach LaFleur in our meeting, he just, you know, he told me I just need to be working on my releases because, you know, I'll be in the slot a lot this year and moving around. So I just need to be able to, because he was like, that, that can help take my game to the next level because, you know, all my releases right now are just off athleticism, but really dissecting, you know, and getting a release tree, it will be really beneficial for me. If only you had a player on your team who specializes in releases. That, exactly. That, number 17 is pretty good off the line of scrimmage. One of the best. So, I mean, are, how much does that all of this affect the, the amount of work that you can do? I mean, are, are you guys going to be able to – have you heard from, from the team yet about what, what you're going to be able to do with whether it's meetings, whether it's, you know, Zooms with the strength coaches? I mean, what is, the, what is your offseason come May going to look like? Do you know yet? Uh, you know, we're just playing it by year. You know, uh, we've been more in communications with, you know, how to stay safe during this whole, you know, pandemic. So it's, uh, yeah, that's all we really, I can tell. 
Well, uh, I hope you do stay safe. Um, I'm, I'm glad you have a gym and you can stay active and there's always Fortnite. So, <laughs> Jason, I, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, let's, uh, let's do this again. Sounds good. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there. Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats. You can pick from main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. And there's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel and that's what I love about it. Experience season long wins without the season long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. This episode is brought to you by WISE. Progress is great, isn't it? People listen to music on record players, then tapes and CDs, and now you can stream music and podcasts. When technology moves forward, you move with it. Like with WISE, the modern way to move money internationally. It's smarter and simpler. They use new technologies, so when you send, spend, or convert money with WISE, you get a better exchange rate with lower fees. And over 30% of transfers arrive in less time than it takes to listen to this right now. Join over 10 million people and businesses and try WISE for free at wise.com slash podcast. All right, I want to thank Jace for joining the show. Awesome to talk to him. Uh, fun guy. And I, I, I thought that was fascinating what he said at the end of the interview about what Matt LaFleur told him. You're going to be in the slot a lot, so work on your releases. And by the way, being in the slot means not having to worry as much about your release because if you're in the slot, you're back off the line of scrimmage, so it's harder for defenders to get their hands on you. I wonder if we could also see Jace in split out on the boundary situations where they're trying to pull a linebacker or a safety and open up space in the middle of the field. That could also be something that he brings them. He can be that move tight end. And when you have Jimmy Graham in front of you, it's tough to get snaps. Now, Green Bay, you know, wanted to bring in another guy. He hinted at that in in our conversation about, you know, what the offseason conversation was. But clearly, he's going to have a role in this team, in this offense in 2020, and, and potentially a big one. I think he can be a really good player, and I was really excited about him coming out of college. So, and he was honest. I thought he was really honest about, you know, the, the Kansas situation just wasn't for him. It wasn't a good fit. He wasn't going to get a chance to to show off his skills, and he found an opportunity where he was, so that's great for him. Uh, We're going to be back tomorrow, and then next week, we're going to be, you know, a day closer, and then next week, several days closer to the NFL draft, so a lot more to get to next week. I'm working on some interviews. I'm I'm really happy with with the week of interviews we did this week. I'm going to try and, if we can, do two a week for the next couple weeks as we get to the draft, because... I'm sure you're sick of listening to me talk. I'm certainly sick of talking and hearing my own voice. So that means I know you're sick of it too. So 
We're going to try and get some other voices on here in the coming days and weeks. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter. You don't have to hear me on on Twitter. You can just read words that I say. Uh, You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.